is the Schaefer Baseball Report, an inside look at America's pastime. From Little League all the way to the big leagues. Now here's your host, former Major League infielder Jeff Schaefer. All right, welcome everybody. Schaefer Baseball Report Friday edition. We are getting, we are past Thanksgiving and heading towards, heading towards Christmas. Andrew One Tools Ike. What are we going to do with that? I mean, we bring this up all the time. One tool identifies your your playing abilities, right? Yeah. Right. So that we'll stick with that. Yeah, because I just because everybody wants to give you tools for being a producer or doing USA Baseball stuff. But as far as a player, you uh, what'd you do? What was that one tool anyway? My you said my calves. Oh, your calves, yeah, your calves. calves. That that was it. That was that was the only that was the only thing that. Uh, like yeah, a, it's you, almost like a quarter of a tool because that's not an actual tool. Well, you got two of them. So. Well, I'm just a tool. So I, there yeah, you go. Okay. There's All right. One. So yeah, one tool. You're a big tool. Yeah. Andrew, big tool. <laughs> I'm gonna tell that to Danielle. Uh, yeah, see how she so, feels about that. So we got Christmas coming, right? Yeah. Um, you done your shopping yet for Danielle? No. Is that what you were waiting at home for? No, no, that was for something else. Have you ever like what does she want? I mean, I can't say she's gonna be watching this. I went and bought something today at the at the mall, the the not the, what's the one, uh the South Park Mall. South Park, yeah, it's, one of those high end handbag places. Oh could've, yeah. Could have like, bought a car. Like Versace. That type of thing, no, yeah, something along those lines, yeah. yeah. You know, for you, for me, you know. <laughs> but you know what I did do? You love this part, right? So I'm walking through there, and I got this this bag, this high end bag, and they um, and the girl stops me, and she's like, "Hey, you got some wrinkles?" <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, fix them." <laughs> so I'm standing in the middle of the mall getting this shit put on my. I'm like, "Okay, my wife will like this. How much?" She goes like four hundred dollars. I'm like, "She doesn't like it that much." <laughs> I like it the way she's at. So um. Yeah, so let's you know a couple, couple things like people are looking for things for Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. For kids, obviously, baseball people. I mean, we're big fans of Blast Motion. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great tool. It's it's something that you can get feedback on on your own. Um, win reality. I like I like the win reality stuff. Now that they put the uh, the bat attachment out there, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, your basic stuff in terms of you know a batting tee. Yep. Um, if you you know one thing that my father always did for me, always did for me was that. Regardless of where we were financially, they always found a way. I always had good equipment, and people don't realize how important good equipment is. So if you're going to go pay for a glove, right? I got gloves that that I played with, you know, when I was 34 years old in the big leagues that I still have to this day that are in great shape. Right. You know, I mean, you saddle soap them and take care of them. I don't know if kids do that much anymore. I mean, you know, I mean, I repaired all my own gloves. I restrung them. I did all that other stuff. I think they just kind of uh, think equipment. Is almost disposable to them. Yeah. You know, if I was going to go to the park and I had a glove and a bat and a bike, I better come home with the glove, the bat and the bike. You know, I mean, otherwise my mother's like, you're not getting another glove. That's it. You know, we spent everything that we could on this glove and you're not going to take care of it. You don't get it. So, you know, how many people really, you know, maintain their equipment? Um, you know, I had, I had glove molds, you know, when we traveled, you know, you, you know, we get bankhead on, he'll tell you, we travel, they pack your bags and everything. They just throw your stuff in there, you know? So I would make sure I had glove molds that they, you know, my glove wasn't getting smashed when it was in the bag. And, um, you know, my bats, I, I really didn't need any bats. <laughs> and I need, I didn't need it. I, I listen, bats, like I had bats just for bunting and that was, that's all they would order me <laughs> bunting bats. <laughs> so, but you know, Equipment, you know, if you're gonna buy, you're gonna buy your kids like a net. That'd be good. A net, yeah. a, a net, a tee is yeah. unbelievable. Something that the kid can go in. Tennis balls. Put a put a, put the right kind of wall up in your garage that he can go throw balls off the wall. Yeah. You know, give him that opportunity to go somewhere and do what he needs to do on his own because everything right now, 
is so structured. You know, yeah. everybody needs a lesson. Everybody needs to, you know, to, you know, to be taught um, something instead of just, you know, this is how you do it. I mean, I, you know, and I'm sure when we get Banky on, we'll talk, we can talk about just, you know, up until a certain point, you know, Banky went to Carolina. So we went to a big program in the ACC as well as I we went to Maryland. Up until then, it was all self-taught. You know, we figured out how to do things on our own. Yeah. You know, we weren't going for lessons every single day. And even though both of us are involved in a, um, you know, in a development program, uh, you know, these kids don't take enough time on their own to figure things out. They, they don't <laughs> understand adjustments. You know, um, almost everything's like kind of guided to them. Like, hey, kind of want you to feed into this. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's how people have been educated. It's yeah. the same thing, the same way that they've been educated with youth travel showcase baseball. And, I, you know, again, it's people think that that is the absolute path you have to go down and the path that you have to go down is you got to be a big brand, um, you know, name on the front of your shirt. And that's going to do something different instead of, you know, actually finding out the organizations that are going to look to develop you. Yeah. They're going to take the time with you that, you know, one, they're going to know all your families. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two is, you know, they're focused on development. Yeah. Everybody wants to win. We're competitors. We're, you know, we're type A personalities. We've, grown up in an environment where we had to win, mm-hmm. um, you know, but the reality of it is, you know, if you're developing kids, you're going to compete and you're going to put yourself in a position to win. Yep. You know, I, I, I joke and, you know, I'm going to be anxious to hear Banky's take on this when we get him on. But, uh, you know, these kids that jumped to all these, you know, these big teams, these big organizations and think that because they put that uniform on, it's going to give them some leg up, you know, but in reality, it's just, unless you're at the top, your stock, man, you're everywhere else. So you better put yourself in a position that you have advocates for you to push you to the next level. And you're also, and probably more importantly, you're in, you're in a program that's developing you that when you do get to the next level, you're ready for you're it. beating that learning curve <clears throat> right. because you're going to get around guys that don't understand how to do double cuts that don't understand how to do rundowns. You know, they can't execute a bunt, a bunt, a hit and run because the game goes back to small ball at the college level. Mm-hmm. Right. So you go you go from here, everybody's showcasing their talents. Right. And you get in situations where you don't always want to bunt, you know, like I hate for this kid to bunt when these guys are here to see him swing the bat. Okay, swing the bat. But the minute you get to college and it's all about winning again and it's, you know, these guys are starting to make money, then you better be able to execute certain things. So we make a decision on how to play our games. Right. I mean, even if there's no trophy at the end of the weekend or no championship at the end of the weekend and the scenario says bunt, you bunt. You know, and prepare them. But uh, so the Christmas stuff. So blast motion. We like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the win reality is a good thing. Batting tee. Net, tennis balls. Net, tennis balls, equipment, uh, you know, a, a good glove, good spikes. You know, Pancake glove. And now these kids, they got to get, they got to get 18 <coughs> pancake gloves. They got to get elbow guards, right? They got to get the face piece. Um, you know, they get all this. Uh, they they gotta look, look good. They got to look like Iron they Man. They look good. Look, they got to look like Iron Man out there, you know? I don't understand that. I just Iron don't get it. I much, whole, I much rather I like the guys that you know, like uh, that throw a chew in, and like yeah. you know, we had that a while back. It's it's kind of getting a little bit less, but I would say ten years ago, like if I needed a dip, and I'm with like 16, 17 year old kids, I'm like, hey, okay, everybody, open your bags, <laughs> and then then I'd have like dip for the rest of the week. Um, but now it's you know it's getting <laughs> a little bit more. Uh, I don't I don't see it that much. Yeah, you know, with those guys, so don't buy them dip for Christmas. No. Right, Do don't not buy, them buy them dip or, dip or, or red man for Christmas. Don't don't be doing that. So, um, what do you want to do? Bring Banky on? Yeah, we can bring Banky on. All right. So this is uh, Scott Bankhead. He is the owner, founder, developer, creator of uh, North Carolina Baseball Academy. 
uh, former teammate of mine with the Seattle Mariners, uh, 10 plus years, I think, I believe 10 plus years, uh, because I know 10, um, as a major league pitcher, university of North Carolina, North Carolina kid has been doing this, uh, travel showcase stuff. I believe since he got out of the game. Um, and it's interesting because I, uh, well, let's bring him on because, uh, you know, you're on bank. I'm on. I'm here. So, so when I started to when I started to have this idea that I wanted to do CBC, you know, run around and do an academy, I jumped around the state and I was looking at different people that I knew, and I sat down with Banky, and I said, you know, this is what I do at his facility, and the first words out of his mouth, don't right, do it. You sure you want to do this? <laughs> and now it's like 17 years later, and I'm still not sure. Bank, you were right. <laughs> you were definitely right. So, well, we welcome you uh, to the. Uh, to the show, man. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, we've, we've run some parallel paths here, uh, you know, more than you ever expect. You don't know, like when you're when you're playing and you get to know guys, and that was like my uh, Bankhead and Scott Bradley, and you know, every now and then we'd have a straggler come in. But when we sat down for our spread afterwards, it'd basically be us three because our personalities and our sense of humors were kind of the same. We were, we were okay ripping on people because we knew we were getting ripped on. <laughs> um, so, uh, but it was a lot of fun and. Uh, you know, and then you move on, right? I yep. mean, um, we continue to play. Scott's younger than I am, so his career went a little bit in further years down down the road. And then you reconnect, um, you know, through what we love, and that's the game of baseball, and that's the kids and, and the development part. And uh, so now here we are sitting here. He's bald. I'm gray, um, you know, and uh, we're, uh, we're, we're helping kids, we believe. We've been doing the right thing along the way. I mean, you know, I did mirror CBC after Scott's program more than I did anybody else's program, because it was very clear to me at that point that, um, you know, he was doing it for the right reasons. I mean, he was, he had a business, he was running a business. He had some property that he bought there and that, uh, you know, he was going to develop kids and move them on. And, um, and he's done a great job with it. So bank appreciate you being here. Um, so the first question is, the first question is what has happened to our game? Well, I remember that conversation we had shaping in my office. I know you were going around and uh, let's see today, just to give you some history today is the first day of my 25th year. So you've wow. been in 17, I'm starting my 25th year today. So I have seen a lot of things change in the youth baseball world over the last 25 years, for sure. Um, it used to be a time when all the travel in the AAU and all, how all this stuff started that you actually had to have a decent team to participate. And now, as you know, as time has gone on, it's just more about how many teams can you get in a tournament and, you know, those types of things. So everybody can have a team. So it's so it's somewhat uh, kids are getting more opportunities to play this type of baseball, but it doesn't mean it's better baseball. Right. So, you know, one of the one of the programs we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that, you know, you've had a lot of association with and has been involved in in uh, the tournaments and things that you put on. That was the South Charlotte Panthers um, with Don Hutchins, who is a good friend of yours and, you know, an acquaintance of mine over over the years. And obviously he was that organization was a to us a premier organization, right? Basically one team. They were going to go get the best guys out there that they could get and they were going to go down and compete at a certain level. Uh, and, and find their way into the, you know, the, the sweet 16 and the top eight and get to the championships. And it was consistent. Everybody knew what it was. 
Then they moved to one team. Now I assume, and you probably know more than I do, but the brand has been sold to a group that's going to spread out and try to do the Canes type of thing. So we're losing, we're losing a lot of those organizations that were pretty, pretty special. So I look at you guys, right? Um, I look at uh, mid Atlantic Orioles up in Virginia with uh, Chris McKnight. I look at on deck down the road here that have stayed true to the mission. You're doing this for 25 years. You've stayed true to the mission. How many times have you been offered by uh, a Canes organization or a five-star organization? Hey, you need to like come with us and jump into this picture. And, you know, I think more of us traditionalists or more of us that believe in the developmental part of it say, no, that's, you know, we're not going down that route. Well, no question about that, Shafe. I think um, I haven't been approached so much about wanting to jump in with them, but just I think they saw what I was trying to do, the facility that I had, that I was going to stick true to my guns, that I felt like, you know, having just a few teams in each age group, and we've always just had one in each age group, 10 through 17, that we would be able to work with our kids, get to know them, uh, get to know them on a personal level. So when that kid would possibly get to a spot where he could go on to the next level to college professional baseball, that we could speak first and foremost about them as, as a person and their character, what they were doing on a day-to-day basis that would interest that uh, college coach or professional organization. So our program's always been about development, building relationships, uh, creating opportunities for kids and trying to teach them more things uh, than just about baseball so they can go on and become productive uh, citizens, uh, people that move on to be doctors, lawyers, uh, dentists, whatever it might be, and uh, go on and have a great life because we all know we're going to be a former player a lot longer than we're a player. And people remember you as a person and what your character is about a lot more than they remember strikeouts, home runs, those types of things. So we've always tried to stress that along with the baseball at our facility. You know, the um, that that's that's been our mantra. Obviously, you know, you were part of our, our gala a couple of years ago when we uh, when we honored uh, Coach Leggett and you were there for that, which uh, you coach with on our national on our national team. And, um, you know, that, that's a big piece. You know, it, it, it becomes numbers for a lot of people now and it becomes dollars. And it's it's, it's tough to deal with that. Now, listen, we're, we're in business. Right. So. We live on both sides of this, right? We, you know, to, to the point that uh, we lost him online here. Um, you still out there, bank? Okay. Yeah, still there. Uh, pay your electric bill, dude. Yeah, Kelly's in there flicking the lights on and off on you. Like, hey, <laughs> I got to help with um, the Christmas stuff. Up. He wants me to get off of here. So, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. So, but it's um. You know, I mean, it's it's a big part of us. I mean, I, I think both, you know, you and I don't come from, we come from somewhat humble beginnings, right? I mean, our families, you know, we, you know, we were blue collar, you know, growing up and we, we appreciate the things that this game has given us. I mean, you can turn around and look at your house and your home and all that other stuff and know, you know, you, you know, the, whether you're taking your pension or not, there's a pension coming from the game. There's been a lot given to us, but you're right. The wins and losses and all that stuff go away, but the people don't, right? We, um, We've stayed connected. Uh, Scott Bradley stayed connected with us. Brian Holman, Harold Reynolds. You know, we can go through a series of uh, uh, different teams and places that we've been in. It's always it's always been the people. And so for me, you know, when we start talking about our organization, you know, the baseball is is the biggest piece in the sense of developing kids. But the bigger piece to us is that 
they don't recognize what's coming down the line for them in terms of the network that they've built and the people that they've built. And I mean, we laugh today, you and I all the time, the same way we laugh sitting at the table, you know, you know, looking at what was in that, what was in our clubhouse or, you know, or how bad we were that night or whatever. <laughs> right. No question. No, no doubt about that. I, t- I tell our kids in our organization all the time, especially the older kids, I said, look, this isn't about baseball. And they all just look at me like I'm nuts. Like, well, what, what are we doing here? And I said, all the things you're learning through the game, you don't realize it right now. All the relationships you're, you're, uh, you're uh, building right now. I said, you never know when this guy's sitting right beside you in the room that's been your teammate 10 years from now, you're, you're walking into an interview and he's the guy's going to interview to possibly give you a job and change your life and your career. I mean, how cool is that going to be? And they, they don't realize it. I mean, the game's important. It was important to me. It was important to you. We had great careers and we were very fortunate and blessed to do what we do. But the people part of it, I mean, like with Rick Griffin and just the guys that you name, I mean, people you could call up right now that, you know, through the game of baseball, if you needed something and they would, they would throw whatever they needed your way to help you and your family in any way. And that's, that's what it's all about. That's what baseball can do for you. If people will get, past the I'm playing to get a scholarship I'm playing to get a professional contract mm-hmm. all these things that just muddy up the game and keep it from being fun for people because now I'm starting to hear that organizations are telling kids you need to come play with us because we're going to help you build your PG profile and the kids are 12 years old and people are buying into that and it just they don't care about that kid they want that kid's money they want to try to build something and say, hey, look at me. I did this for this kid where at the end of the day, the kids do all the work. We provide the opportunity, the structure, the information. It's up to them to do it. And uh, I wish there were more organizations like ours that were out there that cared about kids that were doing it the right way. In our opinion, uh, not that theirs is totally wrong, but just not what we decided to build our organizations. Right. on. Yeah, there's people out there that are jumping into this because they see the dollars the dollars become before anything else. And it's, you know, it's volume. And, uh, you know, if you sit back from a business perspective and you look at the models that they've built, great. You've made a ton of money doing it, man. Um, you know, but in turn, you know, are you really doing, you're taking from the game. You're not giving to the game. You're not, you're not helping these kids. Um, you know, like you said, become, you know, better citizens, good husbands, good, good coaches down the road, you know, good, good stewards of the game. So it's it's it, it it's very it's, it's extremely frustrating because we run into it all the time. And now that you know that we have a facility that tournaments are run on all the time, I think we see it more than uh, than the norm because we get to see everybody. Like you know, we're sitting up above and we can see everything taking place. We can see how people, you know, deal with it and handle it. Um, you know, a big piece for me that has really twisted me up over the years is these guys that want to poach players. And then they, you know, that they, they're going to either, uh, instant message them, you know, social media has become rough. I mean, they can text them, they can go through their Twitter account, they can go through wherever and they can make connections and make these people feel bigger and better than they are. Because a lot of these guys that are doing this on that level, Scott, in my opinion, are not high level baseball people. They just need to bring all that talent around them so they think that they have an identity and makes them feel a little bit better about themselves. Like, oh, yeah, I'm wearing this. I, I crack up with all the dads that wear all the, you know, you know, they show up with wristbands on and stuff and like they're, they're going to go play. But, right. you know, they they we, we, we lose that piece of it. What do you think about uh, how the recruiting process has changed over the years? I'm 
curious to hear your opinion on that. The recruiting process of somebody trying to recruit my players off my teams or going to a college. Well, yeah, that's right. That's, you know, you're right. That's so that becomes a recruiting process. The, the ones that are trying to, I mean, it happens all the time. I've got guys standing in a third base box talking to a third baseman, like, Hey, you need right. to come play with us. You know, right. I well, mean, that part right there, I, I have, you, you know, me well enough to know that I have no issue walking up to somebody or picking up the phone and calling them going, look, dude, yeah. you don't want to go play that game. Right. Um, but you know, certain people are going to be, uh, I don't know, like smoke and mirrored. Like, you know, if I go over here, this is going to be better. Um, and they've been, they, you know, somebody's told them that, it, you know, they think it's going to gain more exposure with uh, those things. But so that, that's first, the poaching part, talk about that. And then let's talk about uh, the college recruiters and how we have to deal with them now. Okay. Well, the, the poaching part and the thing that's uh, most families don't understand, and I, I've had several conversations already this fall, there's been, six or eight kids that have left our program at, you know, the age 16 and 17 level, because they've been told certain things by people. One kid sat in my office and told me that, and he said it like this, Jeremy so-and-so told me, and I said, well, who's Jeremy? And he said, I don't know who Jeremy is. And I said, so you haven't vetted the coach. You don't know who this guy is. He's just telling you that he's going to get you signed. He's going to get you recruited. And he's like, that's right, coach. I want to be recruited. And I said, well, do you understand the process that goes into getting recruited? And he said, no. And I said, well, then Jeremy is telling you something because he wants you to come play for him. He doesn't, he can't pick up a phone and call a power five D one speak on your behalf. If you're not that guy as a player, but he's telling you are, you are at this point and you haven't even started a varsity game on your high school yet. And this particular kid, was a catcher and the catcher ahead of him has been starting for two years and he's only a junior this year. So I said, you're not even going to play into year. So that's the one thing is that people that are calling kids and telling them what they can do, the kids need to understand. And so do the parents. They need to, they need to investigate. They need to, they need to vet these people and find out who they are before they go and jump over somewhere where it's just going to be, Hey, I'm on your second team or third team. And at the end of the day, they're just going to look at you and tell you, hey, you just weren't good enough to go play. I called this guy and that guy, and they just weren't interested. So I see that more and more, um, you know, kids coming in. They have no idea who they're talking to. The guy's just talking a big story, tell them this and that. And that that's across the board. I told a kid the other day, I said, I've never picked the phone up and called another kid on another player's team, another coach's team, and said, come play for me because I can promise you something. I said, we promise – only one thing in our organization for any kid that plays, and that's opportunity. We, we, we provide an opportunity, a structure, a platform, a way to get better each week during the season, play your games, come back to practice, work on your craft, get better, play in an environment with competitive kids, kids of the same mindset that you have, that they want to be the best amateur players they can be, and then maybe a professional player. And that's how you get better at the game, not showing up on the weekend, putting on a different jersey every weekend, and going out there and playing. Now, if you're that guy, if you're that half percenter out there in the world, that 10 carat diamond guy that everybody's got to have, I mean, okay, great. I get it. Go play around, whatever. But the masses, the 99.5% of the kids need the development and, and all of that. And these kids just think putting a name on their jersey, like you alluded to earlier, is going to get them to where they want to go. And that's just not the case. But that's the, the bill of goods that a lot of people 
that don't have back baseball backgrounds and baseball, real baseball experiences can sit down and tell a kid exactly what they need to do and be totally 100% transparent and honest with them. And that's where it just like you kind of makes me sick when I see this stuff happening. You know, the point that you brought up about being able to reach out to power five schools or coaches, there's, I mean, we've done this longer than you've done it longer than I have, but you know, and it's not patting ourselves on the back. I'm proud of the fact that we've networked to a certain level. And, and, and the reason that we get that respect is because we understand what the player looks like and does he belong in that program and not belong in that program. So when we're making a phone call, you know, it's always like, listen, we got thick skin here, right? We like the player. We think he can play there. If he can't, no big deal. Tell me, we'll move on. So a lot of these kids are going to go to these programs where they just tell them we're going to go play in this tournament. And what they're saying is we're going to get you exposure, which means they're going to go down a perfect game or they're going to go down to a PBR event and there's going to be 300 plus teams and there's going to be scouts and recruiters walking around, but they already have their list. They're not targeting, they're not flipping rocks anymore, right? They're not just looking, Hey, I hope I find this guy, you know, the old scouting story, like I'm driving through the country and I see this ball game and I decide to stop and there's this superstar there. They don't do that. Or if it happens, it's very rare. It's very, very rare that 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 happens. So, you know, these kids, these families, what they don't understand is that part of what we do. It's like, okay, you want to play in college? I'll find your place to play in college. I have a network of fifteen hundred or more college coaches across the country. You know, we're going to put in our in our in our in our tag offline. Former Major League Baseball player, um, former uh, USA eighteen um, U national coach. You know, we're going to give them these these titles in there that that carry a lot of weight because the people that we've dealt with along the way or have seen along the way and the people that you've coached at the at the national level. I mean, you've actually been a coach at the national level. We've been part of USA Baseball, Baseball in terms of getting players there to get them exposed to play for you or leg it at some point. Right. And, um, you know, so these guys, these, these schools and these coaches that are out there understand that, okay, if Scott Bankhead calls and Jeff Schaefer calls, or, um, uh, you know, Jason Hill and those guys call that they know what is going on and that the players that they're calling about belong or have an opportunity to play in that program. So these guys that are selling the bag of goods is like, yeah, I'm going to get you exposed. And I promise, you know, whatever. What happens when that doesn't happen? Or they got to make a phone call and it doesn't get it, it doesn't get picked up. Or a perfect example, we were watching our former teammate today on MLB Network with our other former teammate, Harold Reynolds. And Scott Bradley, that's an Ivy League school, right? So that's a small pool of guys that can go to play at an Ivy League school. He gets 1,500 emails a year from players wanting to go to Princeton. And they got a 35-man roster. 1,500 emails. So you imagine a Power Five, these delusional people that think they can play at Clemson or South Carolina or Tennessee that are going to send emails and say, hey, my kid, and they want to know why you didn't get a call back. Because you don't have the advocacy. You don't have the people behind them like yourself and some of these other organizations that have, I don't want to say stayed mom and pop. I don't consider us mom and pop. I consider us kind of close. Na- yeah. We're niche now. I mean, we're, we're, we're a group that decided like, I don't need to wear that uniform, you know, or, you know, they throw out these monikers, you know, these, these three initial, you know, things that they think are, you know, I play for this team and that team. It, it, it doesn't help them. I remember when, when we first started doing this and you told me, you said, you know, check out East Cobb their model, you know, and, uh, and you weren't a, you weren't a big fan of it at then. He said, I'm not going, I'm not doing this. So we looked at East Cobb and East Cobb had East Cobb Astros, which everybody knew about then, right? East Cobb Astros were the dudes at that point. 
Then you start to go down and have the Shamrocks and they had the Royals and they had all these and all these other EC, East Cop things. But all these kids were wearing an ECB shirt. And it didn't say ECB Shamrocks. Didn't say ECB, you know, fourth team, fifth team. It just said ECB. Mm-hmm. So it gave them this false sense of identity that there was something special when in reality they weren't. Um, so that that was my soapbox on that one, brother. <laughs> you're out, you're you're absolutely right. I've heard more than one division one coach say that, you know, if somebody's calling me that has credibility, somebody like a Jeff Schaefer or, you know, Scott Bankhead, whoever it might be, they're way more likely to pick up the phone or return an email or, you know, a text message or something like that than from somebody from a recruiting service or somebody out there just saying, you know, I've got this guy. If they don't know him. They, they like Scott Bradley, 1,500. He can't call back 1,500 people. There's no way. So they've got to have a way to vet these players. And one way they're going to do it very quickly is who is sending this email on behalf of this player. So if, if you don't have that credibility out there and they know you're going to tell them the truth, you can't tell a, a college coach, this kid's throwing 93 and he shows up and he's throwing 83. Now your credibility's shot. The kid runs a 6-6 in the time they see him run on, on video and he's running a 7-2. So, they know somebody that's been in the game has has have have comparable players that they can say, hey, this kid was like, you know, if I tell somebody, hey, this kid's comparable to a kid on this national team I coach, you know, they go, okay, I got I got a pretty good idea. This guy can run. If he runs like Pete Crow Armstrong, he he, he runs well. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Scott's seen that. He knows that. So the credibility factor is, is huge in these kids getting opportunities. Um, because the rankings, I ask coaches this all the time, does, do these rankings from these scouting services mean anything to you? And they say, absolutely not. We, we're, we're not looking at that. We don't need to know that. If they're that kind of player, we're going to see that talent. We don't need to know what somebody else has ranked. And these kids also got to know that they're not all going to be a fit at, at every college program. They may be the best shortstop in the state of Tennessee, but Tennessee may have three shortstops already. And they, they don't think this kid's better than any three of those. Well, they're not a fit at University of Tennessee. They may have to go to, you know, Mississippi State or Ole Miss, and that breaks their heart maybe. But that's just the fact. doesn't mean Tennessee doesn't think they're a good player. They just don't have a fit at that time. So kids got to look at rosters. They got to see turnovers on rosters. They got to see this transfer portal stuff, what's going on, what schools are doing and they're not doing it before they jump into a fall baseball as a freshman. And they got, 65 kids out there, like you alluded to earlier, safe about the power fives, you know, minor league systems and, you know, they're, they're just going to have their own deal going on. I mean, that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough um, you know, circle to jump into if you don't know what you're getting into and you're not ready for it. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, these kids really need to do their homework and their parents need to do homework and not just listen to everybody that calls them on the phone and says, I'm taking you to, you know, wherever it is you want to go. And that's that's where it doesn't go because they, they they like you said to that guy who's Jeremy right well I don't know Jeremy or whatever but yeah. Jeremy said and you know Jeremy Jeremy may have one of these shirts on that makes it think it's like something special and it's uh you know and it's not it's it's you know it's 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 the advocacy part and you know you I know you you know I know you're very proud of you know what you've built and how you've done it there you've done an amazing job and you've like I said you've been a a model you know for me you know in our organization going forward. Um, but the biggest piece of all this is that relationship that we've built with guys at the next level. You know, I mean, that, that truly trust the fact that, you know, I, we do it all the time. Like I make sure I have cell phone numbers of 
the decision makers. Right. Not, not that I'm not going to volley or anything like that, because someday he could be a head coach or whatever. You treat him with the same respect, but you know, you're trying to get to the decision maker and it's always teed up by, listen, man, you know, uh, you know, we like this kid. We think, right. And then, you know, if it comes back and says, well, he didn't show good at camp and I really sure whatever. Great. Fine. Perfect. Move on. You know, no, no heartfelt. We got many different avenues to go. You know, kids, kids want to play at the next level. There's, there's a minimal number of roster spots at the college level, right? There's like 9,000 roster spots, um, you know, overall, or you know, in going in as a freshman and you're taking 125,000 coming out as seniors and trying to figure out how to mesh. So, not everything is going to fit, you know, what you want. I don't care if your parents went to Carolina and like you said, there's just no room. We think he's a great player. Wish we had room. Don't have room. Um, you know, some parents find it hard to, uh, hard to comprehend. The other piece that you said is, you know, they don't research. They don't take the time to go to a facility and sit down and talk and, uh, um, you know, explain to them like, this is who we are. And we may not be a fit for you either. You know what I mean? We've had that. We're the same way. We're one team per age group by design, one team per age group. And you're a good player, but you know, this kid's been with the organization. He's developing. He's going to play in college. I'm not going to punt him to, you know, to add you. Um, so it's, 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 it's an interesting dynamic. Um, let's talk about USA baseball a little bit. Okay. Sure. Just tell me the vibe that you had putting that uniform. I always say that there's, there's, there's five uniforms in my world, Scott, and you've gotten to wear all five. The first uniform you ever put on, you know, I mean, we walked around the house with it. We slept in it. It was, you know, it was the coolest thing that you could ever imagine. Yeah. Um, your high school uniform. Yeah. Right. Uh, your college uniform, yeah. your, your major league uniform, your pro ball or your major league uniform, right. To some that mm -hmm. don't get the opportunity to have that we had That's and right. then to put on a USA uniform. So each one has these different emotions to it, you know, but you know, to wear USA across your chest, explain to explain to us what that felt for you. Cause you played, you pitched on the USA team as sure. well. So you were a player and you were a coach on the team. Yeah. Uh, I tell you, it, it's, it's unbelievable to do it as a player. That's, that's the best to do it as a player. No question to see it from the other side as a coach. And I'll talk about that a little bit, a little bit later. And, and that was fantastic too. Unbelievable experience. But I think every kid, you know, if they really love baseball, just like you said, you got the five uniforms. They they want to go through those five uniforms. They want to try to get that that experience in their life if they can. I was very blessed and fortunate to do it as a player and as a coach. In 1984, that Olympic team um, was just unbelievable. I mean, we were all amateurs. You know, it was amateurs back then. The first two or three Olympic teams were all amateurs, which – I don't know if we could – there's no way we could have gone and played against the Dominican national team with, uh, you know, Dominican major leaguers. But it would be cool to see it come back as an amateur sport because it was, you know, in that particular year, they selected 20 players in our country to represent us in the Olympics. And at the time you're doing that, I was 20 years old, you do not realize what the Olympics in, the, in just – how unbelievable that is from a global standpoint from it's just it's unbelievable I, I i realize how fortunate i was more so now than i did when i was 20 years old running around in the olympic village and you know 
Ghostbusters was the big movie and we're going to watch that. And we're seeing Michael Jordan at dinner every night and Mary Lou Retton and Carl Lewis. And we're seeing all these people and you're just a kid and you're just doing it. And, you know, we go out and we get to play in front of 50,000 people at Dodger stadium. It, it was, it, there's nothing like it. I remember Billy Swift, another one of our teammates uh, carrying the, um, you know, American flag when we walked around the, um, the uh, Dodger stadium and the pre uh, opening things the day before we started and then walking with the American athletes um, in, into the LA Coliseum with all of that. I mean, that was, we walked all the way around the track. So what is that? 440 yards or whatever it is. I don't remember walking around there. It was, it was just an unbelievable experience. And that was right after we had met with president Reagan. And one of the cool things I got from the Olympics is I've got a, a Olympic baseball which there's not many of those even out there. It's got a Ronald Reagan signature on it. Very cool. And my, and my mom put it in our safe. She goes, somebody might steal this. And I'm like, mom, who wants some baseball with Ronald Reagan? Well, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of people would, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. at that time, you know, you just don't realize the magnitude of what you're doing is an unbelievable experience. Um, I mean, I, I can't even describe it as a player. It's just un unbelievable. It's like you're walking on air the whole time you go out there on the field you, you're, you're performing, you're performing for something bigger than yourself. You got your teammates there, but you also have your whole country that's there behind you watching that. I remember coming back from that and several years later, I got married and um, I was having a suit made. It might have been when I was getting married. And the guy that was making the suit for me said he saw me pitch in Dodger Stadium in the 1984 Olympics. So, I mean, just a random guy that I called yeah. up making suits had been there and seen that and how impressed he was that, you know, for whatever reason, he was making a suit for, you know, a former Olympic guy. Yeah. And you flip that and then you go, golly, I mean, you go, you know, 30 years, 25, 30 years down the road. And then I get an opportunity to be a coach at the 18U national level and see that process. And you guys are seeing it at your, at the NTIS level. And then you get to go and you get to see the best 80 players in the team in the country with uh, 20 of them trying to make the team. Then you see it cut down to 40 and then down to 20 and all that goes into that. And even at the USA level, um, they don't always, you don't always get selected. It's not always the best prospects. I mean, it's a team. You're going there to win people. Like you said earlier, you know, talking, you know, you joke about you couldn't hit, you were a major league player. You could hit, you know, joke about getting your bunny bats and all that stuff. I mean, I know you joke about that. You were a major league hitter. You were a major league player. You could play. You were an excellent player. And uh, you should be proud of your career. And I know you make fun of it. But to see that process and to see how they get it pared down, and then you're sitting there going, really? We're not going to select this kid. This kid's going to be in the top five picks in the country next year. Yeah, but he doesn't fit. He's not going to bunt. He's not going to hit and run for you. He's not going to play a different position. He's not going to be a good teammate. So all the things – that everybody talks about really comes to fruition when you're coaching and selecting something like a national team, because those things are important when you're building a true team and somebody that's going to put USA baseball or USA on their Jersey and they're going to go try to win a gold medal for our country at the 18 U level. So I've been blessed to do it on both sides of it. And uh, I'd do it again, you know, starting tomorrow if I could. You know, pr pretty cool um scenario for you i mean jack legger the coach at clemson for 19 years and and scott you know a 
all-American pitcher at North Carolina come together and coach a national team at some point. And, you know, we talk about Jack Leggett. I mean, we've all been touched by him one way or another, but what a special human being. Had to be had to be a joy to coach with him because he's full of energy. He's like a kid, uh, but he's a tremendous baseball mind. Um, uh, just that had to be that had to be special. Just that alone, let alone you're wearing USA, but you're uh, you're coaching with Jack Leggett. No, no question. I knew Jack from afar as I was, you know, starting my business. We'd play at Clemson. I would meet Jack. I'd talk to him. He knew of me, that type of thing. But very just surf surface superficial friendship. You know, how's it going? You know, that type of thing. Always a friendly person. Uh, one thing that I can appreciate about Coach Leggett, uh, Shafe, and you'll you'll enjoy this, is we connected once we started coaching together because our personalities and our sense of humor were very similar. Now, I didn't see that from Coach Leggett when I was just seeing him occasionally. But once I got to know him, sit with him, ride back and forth to the field or the stadium with him, in his car, talk to him about his life and his experiences. The things that we would laugh about would be the same things you and I would laugh about. So you can appreciate what type of sense of humor he's got and what type of personality he's got. He is really, he's become one of my best friends. He's a guy you can count on. You talk about a loyal person. That guy's loyal to everybody. People that played for him 40 years ago, all the way to the guy that he might run into at Clemson today when he goes down to their practice. He will remember you. He will treat you right. He, it, it was an unbelievable experience. A, a great manager communicates with kids and people just in an unbelievable way. He, he had a huge impact on me just by seeing him operate um, and how he goes about doing things. I mean, it's uh, he's a special person. He's a special person, special coach. And again, a person that somebody could reach out to and he would do anything in the world to, to help anybody. And that's uh, and I know that for a fact. So for our audience, you know, Coach Leggett, you know this, Andrew Scott was there. Um, was it two years ago? Might have been two years, two years ago, three years three. ago. I think it's been yeah, three now. Right? Sure. We had the COVID in between. After that, um, we we I called Coach Leggett and said we'd like to honor you with the Spirit of the Game Award. Um, you know, at a You Deserve a Chance Foundation, and you know, and we're not a big organization or anything like that. But man, it wasn't. It was like I'm in. I'm in. Well, you know, tell me, tell me about the award. And I told him, I said, it's it's not about the the record. You know, I mean, he's coached all over from Vermont all the way, you know, through Clemson and into uh, you know internationally. I said it's about um, you know the person's celebrity in the game and how that celebrity has affected other people along the way on a positive in a positive note. And uh, and he went quiet, you know, and he and he got humbled with that, you know. I mean, he in, in a sense he wasn't like yeah yeah, you know. At that point, he was like, are you sure? You know, are you sure you want me? I'm just like, you know, I said, Coach Leggett. I mean, I have not met anybody to this point. You know, maybe, maybe other than Clemson at the time that had some issues <laughs> overall. But, <laughs> but anybody that said, you know, I mean, his tree, his tree of coaches, and I say that, you know, that fall underneath him and branch out. It's amazing how many guys that have either played for him or that he's touched along the way that are in the coaching, uh, the coaching gig just because of that man. Um, was uh, was pretty special. And you talked about his energy and his enthusiasm. And I told the first year we coached together, we coached together at the Tournament of Stars. And that was the year before we both became him the head coach and me the head pitching coach. And I got our group together after he had talked to him and Coach Leggett had walked away. And I told him, I said, guys, I'm just going to be honest with you. I said, if you cannot match his energy and enthusiasm, and he's 63 or 64 years old, 
every day out here. And I said, you're going to see what I mean tomorrow when we hit that field. I said, if you can't match that, he's going to have a problem keeping you on the team or recommending you for the team. So I'm just going to tell you, don't show up dragging because it's 8 o'clock in the morning because he's going to be standing there with his fungo in his glove, and he's going to want to start hitting fungos to you. And he's going to start talking to you about baseball. And he's going to want to know what makes you tick. And he's going to want to know what your family's about. And he's going to know all these things. And if you don't like that, he's going to see that right off the bat. And he's going to see you don't really maybe want to be a part of this. And he's going to talk about that when he talks about you as a player. So you better come ready to do it. And our teams, of course, you know, Jack would run into the huddle at Clemson and slide in there and do all these yeah. things, jump up. Well, when he coached the USA team, he did the same thing. He did the same thing. We gathered in front of the dugout. We left a little opening. He'd go to meet at home plate. We'd be playing in Korea or, you know, Panama or wherever. He'd get that last, you know, handshake to that other coach, which he couldn't – he didn't like that guy because he had something different on his uniform. He knew we were trying to we were trying to, to beat that guy's hind parts. And then he'd turn, he'd run, jump in the middle of all these 18-year-olds. And we – I mean, it was awesome watching the video of that. You know, right. he'd come running in there. So the man's not a fake. I mean, all the stuff you see – and the things and all the effort he does and the energy and all this stuff. I mean, he's almost killed himself several times on motorcycles and ski jumping and riding uh, mountain bikes and stuff like that. So, I mean, he's out there living on the edge and he, he loves life and he loves baseball. And it, it, it it's unbelievable just to be around him and just soak up that energy and enthusiasm. It's, it's unbelievable. It's amazing. We've had some, we've had some really uh, impactful recipients of the, of that award. Um, you know, and I, and I met, I was actually up at Wake Forest the other day and sat with Tom Walter, um, you know, head coach at Wake Forest in his office, uh, you know, for, for an hour. And Tom was our very first recipient of that award and obviously donated a kidney to an incoming player that he, he didn't even know cause he had just gotten the job. And, um, and then we had Landon Powell, we had Chris Singleton, whose mom was a pastor in Charleston church massacre has done, who's on to doing great things in the first speeching speaking engagement he ever really had it wasn't even a speaking engagement it was uh receiving the award uh the you deserve a chance award then it just his 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 career blew up and his message blew up and he's all over the uh Schilt, grady little um gary randall um you know just some really really you know good people in the game and that goes back to what we were talking about early on you know you don't realize you know, what you connect to uh, in terms of the the character of the people, right? Because our our our, our identity is always with baseball players or right. we're former players or, you know, you looked at a certain way because you did certain, you know, but the thing that you're remembered for in the end is what's what's your character? What are you made up with? Um, and it's, uh, you know, I, I appreciate our friendship that we've had over the years, Scott. I mean, it's, uh, you know, to go on to go on today and watch Harold and, and Scott Bradley, who are good friends, you know, communicate after all these years you know that it's it, it it never it's like riding a bike right we get back around each other and it's, right. it's the same thing and it's, oh, and it's yeah. never about hey remember that game you lost remember that error you made shape it's never about <laughs> that it's never about that it's always about you know, sitting in a, that, that manager you went out there and body slammed that guy you remember that guy? <laughs> yeah well that one kept getting brought up i guess that is <laughs> It's unfortunately that, uh, yeah, my sons have played that over and over when I, you know, I, I come up in the den and they got this fight. I'm like, dudes, no, no, no. I want you not to be like me. Don't be like me. I mean, how many dads want to say that? <laughs> but, but Shafe, if I could say this, you brought up all the guys, the recipients of your um, awards. I don't know all of them personally, but I know people that know those people personally. Uh, most of them. I don't know Chris Singleton. 
But um, the first thing I think about is just what great people those are. I don't think yeah. about Grady Little being a manager of however many major league teams and, you know, all the, all he's done in baseball. I just think about just the personality of Grady Little, you know, and, and Gary Randall. I mean, what a what wow. a fantastic person has dedicated his life to going out there and, and searching for professional baseball players and treating people the right way. I mean, those are the things that your award, your the recipients of your award there at your, at your gala, that's what those people represent. And I know those are the people you're trying to get to represent that gala and that award and what it means, because that is what it's truly all about. Because you know, and I know we played with a ton of great teammates, right? We played with a ton of guys that, man, we hear something's going on in their life. We're excited for them. If there's something bad's happening, we feel bad about it. We're reaching out. We're trying to do those things. But we also know, that we played with some guys that weren't such good character guys yeah. and guys that not that you wouldn't want to visit with them again, but they're not high on your list. You don't have great thoughts on those are, that's not what people want to be when they're in the game of baseball. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, I, I know that when I hear somebody say about me that I was a good teammate, that makes me feel just as good as, well, Hey, I played 10 years in the major leagues and had a couple of good years. And you know, that kind of thing, because I know that I was somebody in the clubhouse that, People enjoyed being around it. They knew I was going to say, hey, man, great job tonight. Or, hey, man, don't worry about it. You get them next time. You know, whatever. And, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we want our children to see. You know, you want your children to see that. I want mine to see that. And, um, you know, the people really doing this and that have gotten out of the game what they should have, I think they feel the same way. You know, it's it, it, the clubhouse and the environment, as far as teams went, was a lot it was a lot different when we played i mean we went out and battled every day and we did we you know there wasn't very little fraternization if any you know we just you know you weren't allowed to do it because you know we we find you remember you remember the umpires would come over and they could find you for going out and talking to somebody in center field they were watching i remember my rookie year in 86 i see an umpire out there at uh, batting practice and he's walking out and he's looking out in the outfield and he's making notes and i said to somebody i said what's he doing he said, well, he's checking to see if we're talking to anybody on the other team. And if he sees it, he can write it up and you can get fined. And I'm like, get out of here. So first of all, back in that day, you didn't want to go talk to the other guys on the other yeah. team. You're getting ready to compete against them. And you know, in our day, man, if if you had to throw at somebody or had to take somebody out at second base, like Hal McCray took out Willie Randolph out there at second yep. base. Imagine, imagine if somebody took out Jose Altuve at second base, like Hal McCray took I mean, he almost took Randolph from Yeah, took Willie Randolph into the outfield. He almost took him into the outfield grass, dude. That's like 15, 20 feet from the bag, you know? I mean, they would be an uproar, and that guy would be ostracized in the game of baseball and probably kicked out. Nobody would want him in the game. But that was just how the game was played back then, you know? So, you know, it's it's, it's, it's a different game, but you and I played it at a great time, and we got great memories, and – I enjoy our friendship too. I know I can call you up. I can text you. I know you, we've had some things happen to some former teammates that you we've reached out to each other and we've helped uh, people. And um, that, that's what it, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about, man. And I, I appreciate everything you do. Well, uh, we, we appreciate you Banky, And uh, you know, we'll be, uh, we'll see more of each other along the way. Hey, did you, uh, how many times in the past is it kind of a Grady little thing, man? Because I got, I got, I got caught by it this year. I played behind Grady and I found probably 15 marshmallows on the golf course. 
all <laughs> all the time. That's what he was known for. Was you go somebody hit it in the woods? There it is. They'd run over. Damn, it's a marshmallow. <laughs> Pretty little. It's a marshmallow. And then the next hole, you couldn't see him putting on the green because he lit off a smoke bomb. You know, it'd be on the green. You see this green smoke going. And Grady's putting firecrackers and all kinds of stuff. So oh, yeah. He's, he's smoke bombs. And so you can tell which way the wind's going. He throws yeah, a smoke exactly. bomb on the fairway, which way the wind's blowing. He, I told I told when I when we came in this, this past week at the PBR, I came in, I said, Grady, I said, uh, if you're going to ask me to go to lunch, I said, I can't because I ate 15 marshmallows along the way. I don't know where they came from. <laughs> I'm full, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's awesome, man. Those are yeah. Those are well, Banky, thanks, man, for yeah. taking the time to be on with us and giving the insight and tell Kelly I said hello. And, uh, you know, hopefully I know, you know, every year we have the gala, we want you to be part of that and be there. Um, you know, I, obviously schedules don't always work out, but, um, you know, we'd love to have you back again. And we uh, we thank you for what you're doing for the kids. We thank you for what you're doing for the game. And obviously we've said it before, we uh, – I appreciate the friendship over all these years, man. It's meant a lot. So, um, absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. I hope to see you. Hope to see you soon. All right, all thank right, you. Scott. Peace out. Right. So, yeah, we had some fun. We had some fun uh, in Seattle. Um, our best year, we just kind of creeped over five hundred, but we knew there was talent there. You know, yeah. there was a lot of good. I mean, Griffey was there, and Buner was there, and Viscal and you. Edgar Martinez, and me. Yeah, you know, and Banky and. You know, but, you know, we had, it was funny because we had grinders, you know, that, you know, Banky had a great amateur career, great amateur career. And he had a very good, a very good major league career. You know, I mean, you spend, you spend 10 years in the big leagues, you're doing something, something right. But the guys that, that, that we, we migrated to, that I migrated to were grinders and Scott Bradley and, and, and Bankhead and, um, you know, a few other guys that trickled in, but we were kind of the staple there for, for a few years, um, terms of teammates but a lot of fun and a lot of laughs and he's got a great sense of humor uh, so it's uh and he's been he's been really a good mentor to me in terms of you know how we've gone our path and mm -hmm. and uh you know you see that he said he's kept one team all along the way it's been yeah. basically how we how we've done it but um you know what else you got man we got uh so another christmas gift we got five spots left or we we five fall? spots Actually, four spots. Probably four spots four now. Spots. Four yeah. spots now on the Monjero, and that's next weekend. Yep, next coming weekend, up. December so 10th it's and two days. If you guys have an infielder that uh, you want to get some high level stuff, man, this this is the best in the country. And uh, again, said it before. I put my son Dylan, uh, who's a D one commit to UNCW, a middle infielder. I've never let anybody have hands on him ever mm -hmm. since he was a kid, um, except for Trent Monjero. You know, I mean, that's how good it is, and that's how much respect I have for Trent, and that's how much respect I have for uh, the things that he teaches. So, uh, where would they go? They're going to go to southeastntis.com. Yep, on the screen, southeastntis.com. Jump on there if uh, if you want to grab one of the last four spots, yep. and uh, we're shutting it down. It's not a it's not a wide open camp. It is right. a it's an exclusive thing. So, uh, to do that, that would be a great Christmas gift for your infielder. If yeah. you if you have one, got hidden camps, catching camps, those right. are all so coming up hidden, too. Hidden so. camp with Chris Vasami, who's been another one that again I've had Dylan, you know, under my wing up until last year, and it was time to kind of break away the father coach son type of player dynamic, and uh, um, just kept getting great feedback about uh, Chris Vasami that's here in Charlotte. He's going to go ahead and run that camp. Chris Reyes, part of our. Uh, our USA baseball NTIS yep. staff when we go into carry. Yep. Um, he runs a lot of things out of New York with Angel Lugo. 
Uh, Chris is coming down here to do the catcher camp. Yep. So it's all high level stuff. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, you see when, when these players come here, we talked about poaching earlier. Again, like Bankhead, I have never in all the years I've been doing this picked up the phone and asked a player to come over here and play for us. Same thing with our camps and clinics. We're putting them out there so the players that are out there, whether they play for us or not, have an opportunity to get high-level instruction and get better. Um, so, you know, don't think that, oh, don't go there because, you know, I mean, that, a lot of people won't send them here because they don't want them to see our facility, first of all, and see what we are and what we have. But, again, I promise you guys that are out there, we're not going to go after a kid and – uh and say, hey, hey, how come you're not here? Or we'd like to have you come play over here. You come play here if you want to be here. Yep. Not because we went ahead and told you uh, a lie or something stupid that, you know, it's going to take you away from something or other. You know, we don't need it. We don't need it. You don't want to be here. We don't want you here. Yep. Right. But we do want you at the camps and the clinics to become a better baseball player. That's right. What else? That's it. That's pretty much it. That was pretty good, man. Banky was good. Yeah, Banky's good. Yeah, Banky's good. We've had some good guests and we'll keep rolling with that. And, uh, <laughs> All right, so everybody, we appreciate uh, another week of uh, Schaefer Baseball Report. We got next week, and then we have Christmas after that, don't we? I think so, yeah. You're going down to to Florida? We have to do a Christmas special. We got to get, like, special baby, you know, Christmas outfit. You good? Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you, man. Peace out. Peace.